You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. If you don't like it, I'm gonna have to beat ya. <laughs> nah, I'm just kidding, y'all. Y'all, y'all, Y-N-L-L, I bet you all thought that Salisha couldn't spell, but now you know, and I got to go. Hey, it's time for the Salisha Show. <laughs> Hello, and welcome, or welcome back to another episode of the Salisha Show. I'm so excited to sit down with another castmate of mine. Literally, my cast is amazing. Like, the people, the souls, their hearts... Their hilarity in today is no exception. My guest today is a film and television star. She's a singer and a dancer. She's also, which I didn't know, an acting teacher and coach. And what I did know, a yoga queen. She was in American Psycho as well as a million like other theater projects. And now she's originating the role of Princess and the Pea in the new musical Once Upon a One More Time. Please help me welcome the one, the only, the comedian, Morgan Weed. Felicia, <laughs> that is the nicest intro I've ever received in my life. Can I bring you everywhere with me to, to just to hype me? Because I like, I feel amazing now. I feel like literally dollars. That's your hype, man. Having me. Um, you are so freaking funny. Like, can we just talk about it for just a second? Coming from you, that is such high praise because you are so hilarious. One of the funniest people I've ever met in my life, and I yes. thank you very much. Really? Um, you're funny off the stage and on the stage. Like Andrew just saw the show. He's like, he, it was his second time, but I was sitting next to him for part of it this last time. And he, you open your freaking mouth and he's like, <laughs> he was hyping us big time. I I, to, I told you I saw him after the show, and he like I mean he was giving me life. And sometimes you know in these long amazing weeks I feel super happy and privileged to get to be working right now and to be back after the pandemic but there are nights when you we're feeding off that energy and he was he was more lit than anybody on the stage proper so I'm grateful thank you for having such an amazing partner who who supports not just you but your friends and your colleagues um it was amazing but no it's it's this show really is so special and close to my heart. I've been working on it since 2018. And I feel like I have been through a journey with this show, as so many of us have. 
Um, my part has evolved from being teeny tiny to being enormous to landing kind of where she is now in this wonderful like middle place of I get to really represent what I think is like the style of the show and I do my job to really support the narrative along the way and bring some comedy to what is a really meaningful and um, important story. So, but I also, because I don't carry the show on my back as one of the leads, I get to be such a weirdo. Like I have full, <laughs> like uh, full freedom to be so weird. I'm so and, with you. Like truly, like you will be in the middle of what, like Aisha will be singing bottom of my broken heart. And I'm like, uh-uh, Andrew, look at Morgan. Look at her right now. Literally in a black band. Like a crab position over on the side, just drunk. Just so drunk. Every time you enter the scene, like tripping over the chair, me and Diana are like, she's wasted. Well, the funny thing is, it's like, you know, I'll try something and I'm a really, I, I talk about this. There was, um, I, I love David, our creative consultant, talked to me about this thing that he says Alan Rickman used to say, who was a friend and colleague of his and who recently passed. And um, I'm such an enormous fan. I mean, the original, like, Robin Hood with Morgan Freeman and Kevin Costner is like, I don't know why, but one of my favorite movies of all time. I know it's weird, but I love it. And anyway, he would talk about how Alan Rickman would say this thing when he would get feedback in a show and they would say, he would say TTFN, which means take the f-bomb note and I really really appreciated this because I feel like I spent so much of my career being you know th thinking probably too deeply about what I was doing and feeling like it was so personal when something needed to change like somebody gives you a note and you go oh I, I don't know like do I am I even a value anymore if you don't want me to do that joke I did and you know because as you may know, or maybe this is true for me, I am I fall into the category of comedians who are like part of I think my of where my comedy comes from is my hyper hypersensitivity, and um, I mean that in the good ways, like I feel everything, and then I mean it in the terrible way, like I feel everything, like you feel everything. It looks at me wrong, I'm like, oh god, I'm in a spiral, and then at the same time, I'm like, ooh, I can use this, like the um, so. You do notes about that scene, about the chair. They'd be like, I, you know, but Mari was like, we love when you tangle yourself in the chair. And, and David was like, you know, John's giving you carte blanche, so go for it. He's like, but you didn't hear it from me. And I was like, so it's been really fun to be supportive in this way. And then sometimes they'll be like, roll her back, Morgan, roll her back. That's <laughs> so great to have to be told to roll her back. Like it is, I think it can be a hard thing to originate because you have to be so confident in yourself. You have to really follow your instincts. And one of the reasons why I said yes to being a swing is so that I can watch people firsthand up close. I've got a front row seat watching you, how you're able to follow your instincts and, and, and go for it. Like, I want to be there one day, but I know that I want, when I'm there, I want to like do the freaking thing and not be so scared to make a choice. You make choices in your sleep. 
I do make a lot of choices, but I do want to say that I've watched you now come on stage with us and I have watched you create original moments, original pieces, original characters out of these characters that you only get to step into sometimes with like 12 minutes notice. Um, And, you know, it's totally (laughs) wild and really inspirational to me because I get to spend, I've gotten to spend a lot of time with P. Uh, my character and I and yes. figuring out who she is and, and what makes sense and, and letting go of some of the little vestigial tales of scripts past and iterations past right. and remembering always to bring myself back to the line of like, you know, sometimes if I'm like, I put a hat on a hat on a hat, I'm like, take those hats off, just make the one joke. Someone else is making a joke now. Be quiet, calm your face, you know, and remembering all of the technical elements of comedy. Cause I think, um, the highest compliment I ever got was from this director that I worked with. And I did a show with Amy, our magical Goldilocks. In Amy Larson. The best. She is comedian extraordinaire. And I was doing this show and there was a comedian and we, you know, we had worked together before and we're really different types. Um, you know, genders, ages, everything. And we weren't vibing. Like we, we were, you know, and which happens sometimes, you know, and it wasn't like a, it's not a show stopping event, but it was trying to figure out that balance. How can we make the best thing? If both of us feel like the best thing is, looks really different. And um, it, it was a huge learning experience for me because the director said to me, um, in talking to me about it, he was like, you are like a steel trap technician, meaning you like, and and he was right. I will, I work a joke. I run it in my head. I, I listen to the timing. I think of it like choreography, you know, and by planning and planning and preparing, then I feel like when I'm in the moment, I can let fly whatever actually happens live. And a lot of comedians don't work that way. A lot do, um, but a lot kind of feel more of the improv world. And, you know, um, and, and I certainly do my fair share of improvising, but it's always like kind of knowing, like, I have my set list of facts. Like, here are the things that have to happen in this scene. Like, we have to establish clumsy and erudite, you know, meeting here um, in person. We have to establish that we're all, that the narrator has power in this scene um, and that we all have a fear of this, of the same thing of being banished. So I established my like givens and then I go, okay, what's it look like to be in that world intoxicated, you know? And I actually don't even drink. So it's like, for me, it's all- You don't drink in real life. No, I don't drink in real life. So I, you know- the old voce and everything and just my sort of I'm on a that clean living vibe and I I so I don't partake in any of in any of the extracurriculars and so I have to also think about like what does this look like and it's really important to me for it to look um authentic I mean I have drunk before it's not that it's and when I did I'm always the kind of person like if I've had two glasses of wine like I'm just going to sleep I'm going to sleep. There's no jokes being made. There's no fun. There might be a tear shed and then a night <laughs> in bed. Wait, you're um, such a great drunk person on thank stage. Thank you. Thank you so much. I think that that, I mean, and I practice, like I would, I watch people. I notice, I, I really am um, kind of a, I mean, I'm naturally a pretty introverted person. And no. I don't believe you. I know, but I mean, my husband can tell you, it's like, I spend, I have, I love people, but I kind of feel like it's the, it's the Obama Clinton comparison when they would talk about like Clinton goes to an event and he's shaking people's hand and it's like, you can see like fire and electricity entering his body. And he's like, 
hyped afterwards. Well, yeah. Obama goes and shakes their hands and he's just as a personable and um, passionate and all those things. But it's like you're watching a current of electricity leave his body. And so there's just like a, you know, for me, I love people. I'm obsessed with uh, watching them. And, you know, uh, my husband gave me a pair of binoculars because I love bird watching, but then he had to scold me because you're not allowed to watch people out the windows. I know, <laughs> but I want to see what they're doing all the time. I want to know why. <laughs> why do people do what they do? I don't understand them. So I'm like a technician or a scientist. Or I'm not allowed to watch people. Literally being in this building with each other, if I hear anybody from the cast, I go straight to the door and I get quiet and I look at the and I'm like, what are they doing? Oh yeah, I'll, I'll hear, you know, Mimi and Tess, our lovely stepsisters, are just down the hall and they both have dogs and both their dogs have really different barks. And literally, Sean and I will be sitting in here talking and then I'll be like, there's Gypsy, the dog. And then I'll be like, oh, there goes Joey, must be going for a walk. You know, I'm literally like, I'm listening to the pitter patter of doggy feet, not and people feet. And right, like just even on this call, I was like, oh, Ashley just got home. Yeah, I heard her door shut. Right. Like, ooh, that is so like, there goes Michael McGrath. And I hear Emily Skinner oh. walking by. You can you know, hear the- I'm I joke so- that I can recognize people because especially in the pandemic and especially in winter, when you walk down the street, you see people, they're in their coats, they're in their masks. And so I like pride myself on being able to recognize someone by their gait. I'm just like, yep, I know those. I know that pacing of walk. I know that stride. Um, and I, I love it. I mean, I feel like I'm, I really try to tune into people and I'm endlessly confused by why people do what they do. So, um, and for I that reason, it. I chose an art form where I have to constantly explore and try to make sense of why people do what they do. When you were talking earlier about like your character and how it's been from here, like and grown and got to where it is today, and all, listening to you, I hear like I heard the same like voice, like um, inner monologue of when you're on stage building the show, and I always wondered like where is this coming from? And now knowing that you are a coach and a teacher, like it makes so much sense the way you look at the the piece and the work. It's like through the lens of like really dissecting it. It is, it is. And I, and I, I really, I'm passionate about my teaching work. I just hit my five year mark um, this past, this week with uh, the same studio that I've been teaching for in New York. And then I also have my own studio, which, which is, is uh, Morgan Weed. It, it just, you go to my website and you can book lessons with me or book time with me. And I teach voice lessons. I teach um, dramaturge lessons. I teach monologue research. I teach audition technique. I, I'll do pretty much anything because I love to customize my work to the person I'm working with. And I work from students from age five to, you know, full grown. And I, I do a lot of college admissions, a lot of high school, art school admissions. And it is such a passion of mine because I had amazing teachers growing up and they gave me the gift of, 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 I mean, knowledge, but of, of the technical knowledge and skills of how to actually take my, the raw materials, which is a love of storytelling and a love of making people laugh and turn it into a career. 
and turn it into something. And they didn't even do it with the mind that it was the career. Suddenly they're just handing me a Stanislavski book in ninth grade and being like, just read this, come sit in my office and read this. And, um, you know, and suddenly I'm like, okay. And then they're like, we're taking you to New York for the weekend. We want you to meet this voice teacher. You know, I'm 16 years old and my two fabulous teachers, one of whom was in the original sideshow on Broadway and the original cats on Broadway and the other who had been a director since the 70s in in Manhattan. I mean, they had this experience, but I didn't know this. I didn't know because they're never going to, you know, brag about their own accomplishments. They're just so hyper-focused on me. And my students will tell you, you know, my biggest flaw when I'm teaching is that I'll have like an hour lesson. Suddenly I'll be like, it's been an hour and 45. Like we have to go. Cause like, I can't charge, I'm not charging you more. Like I have to call it at some point. But you love staying on with them. I do. I love it. And the room, you know, I've been doing mostly virtual, but, um, you know, especially in the room with them too. I'm just, I'm so, I want them to have every tool at their disposal. And I do, I come to it from a real dissecting kind of going what it you know I like to look at I'm very analytical that way it's my English major background of being like okay here's what we want to accomplish here are the five things that we need to do to get that like knowing that we're looking for this outcome and um and and teaching just really fits the bill for me I think at heart I get it I see that I'm a director you know, and I do a lot of direct at heart as well and a dramaturgist and, and, you know, I love the research. I love understanding those, uh, the inside of it because the audience is never going to know about that work. They're not going to know. And, and when you're, and for my students who go in front of casting directors or, um, you know, school admissions boards or, uh, directors, those, the idea, just like in a beautiful, you know, a ballet dance at the American Ballet Theater, you know, you're not going like, gosh, she must have worked really hard for this. You're going, oh, she's so effortless. She just flies across that stage. Right. Not, I mean, but I know, you know, that like the kind of intricate, technical, challenging work that went into that was all to make it look like. It it was effortless. Yeah. And so that's kind of always my goal is to go, how can I give you every piece of information, all the knowledge that you need so that when you actually get up there, it's just in you. And I do that for myself too. I'm a preparation queen. I really am. I I like to, I don't like the unknowns and I don't like surprises in my real life. Like do not come at me with a surprise party. Like I am not really to know where it is, when it's going to be, what, you know, what the vibe is. I, I want all the info. I want to know when it, and where it's going to be. Oh my goodness. I love it. Oh. For Pete, for Princess in the Pete, how much, have you had any say of like what your lines are or like? Definitely. Um, the way you out of your mouth, it definitely seems like you had a say. You know, it's, John Hartmere is such a brilliant writer and I also feel very connected to him. We've created a, a, lo- a really loving friendship over the years that we've known each other. And I was really lucky, you know, I came into this project on a, on kind of a fluke. Somebody had dropped out the day before and they were doing a reading at the Nederlander's office in New York. And they were like, we need a princess. And this incredible actor, Preston Sadler, who, who, um, was in the show for many of the iterations and really originated the role of erudite. He and John knew each other, John Hartmere. And John was like, we need a princess. And like, we need, and essentially it was like, we need a weirdo. 
And Preston texted him and they showed me this text. Preston was like, you need to call my friend Morgan Mead. And um, they did. And I showed up that day. And I really feel like it all came down to uh, to this weird improv that I sort of did on. And I just got in the script and Patrick Vicariello was like, do you think you could sing this song Clumsy, which used to be in the show? Because my character used to have a love affair with Clumsy. And um, we used to come in with our clothes. We had traded clothing and we were like, what? Nothing. And they're like, what are you wearing? And I'm like, I don't, what do you mean? I, and then I realized I'm not wearing, and he just like secretly kind of handed me my bra. And I was like, <laughs> um, but I used to sing this song. And here I am in the Nederlander office, like my heart's beating so fast. And he's like, do you think you could just sing this? And I'm like, I know a lot of Britney songs. Like she and I are almost the same age. I grew up on Britney and clumsy was not a song that I knew. It's like a club remix. Um, but somehow my brain was just like, yes. And I, you know, I re I'm lucky. I, I, I had a great teachers of music theory growing up. I read music. So I was able to be like, okay, yes, I can do this. And for a pop song, you know, there's a certain pattern, you know, you're just going to get to repeat that chorus. And, um, but I made some, you know, <clears throat> all these books fell from the sky and I don't know what came over me. But John had something funny in the script and I ended up like screaming at the top of my lungs, like about Sylvia Plath's The Bell Jar for no reason. And it just kind of stopped the room for a second. And everyone was like, who is this lady? Who and then they were like, she's in, we're keeping her. And that was it for me. That was like, that cemented my time there. Oh, um, the day before. Yeah. And so, so John has been so lovely. Like there are lines um, that are that, I mean, he's given me such brilliant lines and he's really tailored as you'll, if you know his work at all, he gets to know the actor. And I mean, he's got his idea and it's such a, an incredible mind for creating so many different unique characters, but he really takes into account the way your voice works, you know? So he has customized so much of, of, of the script that I, you know, of so many of the P lines, they sound like things I that you say. Yeah. And that's, and, and they have gone through different trans, you know, they've evolved and transformed in, in like the, the content will be the same, but he'll change the way it's going to scan verbally, you know? So I want to take a class. I want to take one of your classes. I want to, I want to, I would love to work on something and you help me dissect. Um, well, that is, I would be so thrilled because I think you are such an incredible actor, performer, storyteller, and I would love to do it. So we'll just have to do that for fun. Just to, that would just be, to so what would you call yourself first? Cause you, you do a lot of things, Morgan, and you're good oh, at, gosh. I, I'd say dancer first. <laughs> no. Oh my God. Salisha, don't. <laughs> <laughs> I like to say dancer third. I, I joke that I like to wear a pair of capizios to any dance call so that they're really clear when I walk in the door that I cannot do whatever they're about to ask me to do. Like, uh, I just wanted to be really clear because everyone's okay. like, oh yeah, you want to dress like a dancer. I was like, I dress exactly the opposite of a dancer. No. For our audition, Morgan, I did the robot for my freestyle so that Keone and Mari knew no. No, there's a freestyle moment in If I'm Dancing in the show where I just do the robot. Everyone else is doing like cool dances and I'm just doing the robot in the back by myself. Even Jules, our dresser, who's so spectacular from the Shakespeare Theater Company. She goes like, I just watch you every night just do the robot alone. And I'm like, yeah, 
you know, I got, that's my freestyle move. That's like what I've got. And it's not even good. It's not even a good robot. It's like you know what you're working with. Like there are no surprises. And then they're like, oh, by the way, you got a dance solo for Gretel. I'm like, oh. Like the entire cast stopped moving. Like nobody moved to their position after that. Because you just exploded. It was as if fireworks burst out of your chest at that moment. It was incredible. So like, actually you can't dance. And the, the funny thing is in our world, you know, I've been doing, I danced, uh, I've been dancing since I was three. I was in ballet. I danced on point. I took all the classes. I did all the things and yet somehow doesn't show on the old body, you know, like in a dance number. <laughs> so I feel like, so I joke about being a dancer first, but I, I actually on my website, for years, it used to say actor, singer, dancer with wolves. Another Kevin Costner reference. Who knows why? Um, I guess I just like really respond to some of the films he was in in the 90s. Oh. Um, but I, I love Kevin Costner. I, I mean, it's, he's great. Uh, but I, I like, um, I think of myself as an actor first. And, and uh, I, I think at my, in my true mind. Over I think, a comedian? It what? And a comedian. Over, no, over, I think like, a comedian first, except that, you know, um, I still have to, I always tell myself that before I leave this astral plane, like I have to do a stand up session, you know, and I'm always practicing like different, um, yeah. yeah, I mean, it'd be really fun. Right. But that sensitive part of me gets in the way. Cause I go, I'm like, you know, I, I, even in this show, I joke with like Steven Brower, who's a hilarious comedian himself. Um, I, I always joke, like, when the audience laughs, I'm like, yes, fill up my bucket. Fill up my bucket with laughter. I'm so hungry. And um, so I do want to do that. But I, de I definitely, I mean, comedy is always my, the, the first thing for me. And, I, and something I share with my students, um, I say comedy always wins in the room. You know, you can do drama and you can do great storytelling. But even in the darkest of moments, if you can find a way... To bring that, like that, to juxtapose that with some, because comedy comes out of drama. It comes out of like conflict a lot of the time. It comes out of of saying something really, really horrifying in a really like a flippant, light tone, or say, or vice versa, saying something really like light and breezy in a really intense melodramatic way it's about working in opposites and that's something I work on with my my students um about kind of identifying those things and where can you take something like practice it just the normal way you might say it and then go okay what happens if I weight this part differently or or lift this part and you know do it 150 times and then you find it but you don't have to always do it as many times as I do but I, I think of myself as a comedian and I'm, I'm really um I'm a researcher you know like I'm a I'm a dramaturgist in a, a mind. And I think, you know, as I, I, I've done a lot of directing um, with my students and I directed my first um, piece at the, at the duplex two years ago where a woman approached me, she wanted to do a one woman show and, but she didn't know how to, she has this incredible voice, just absolutely incredible, but she didn't exactly know how to con construct it. So I wrote her a script and it was kind of um, biographical, but interwoven with these songs that were really meaningful to her. And it was a, it was a huge success, you know, it, and I, and it made me feel 
confident and and suddenly like there was this uh you know that I could combine my love for writing and literature and dramaturgy with my directing so then I started directing more and directing showcases in New York at like the 72nd Street Theater uh at the Triad excuse me and and directing people to help get them in front of the gatekeepers like agents and managers and and trying to identify what helps you get seen what's and seen in the larger sense of like you know we're there in person but like what helps you get seen and um yes there's also this book about called the four agreements sorry i was just thinking that Okay, so th- this one thing that's really, um, I kind of balked at this book when it was first handed to me. I was like, oh, this this is like living on the mountaintop. How can I like be a human and still work with these like parameters? But then when I really got into this part that says the, the, the one of the agreements is about how it's really just not about you. Like, yeah. it's just yeah. not personal. It's not personal. It has lifted like this weight off of me in such an amazing way. And as a comedian, I suddenly go, yeah, I'm going to try it. I'm going to try it this way. And, you know, there's a line in the show where I have to say, Hey, sin, would it kill you to bring a warm hors d'oeuvre next time? It's not like you don't have the money. So it's like this classist joke on top of this being like, you know, I'm hyper aware that it's like, um, in our wonderfully diverse cast is like two white ladies, like one giving one a hard time about in front of a crowd that have paid like 160 or so for their tickets most of the time. I was like, you know, and, and the thing about people with money is they don't really like jokes about people with money. Like, so, um, you know, every night it's, it's really funny. Michael McGrath is like right off stage, our brilliant narrator. And I meet right after that to change clothes with Jules and Emily and Daisy are three of our incredible wardrobe team and every night I either come like kind of crawling off embarrassed about how it hasn't landed or Michael's like giving me a high five but you know that line is a wonderful exploration for me each night and it's you know it's something nobody else would consider but I go each night I'm like okay listening to the audience how they've responded to the first 20 minutes of the show how like if I add like some real vulnerability to this, like she's just sleepless and hungry, you know, they, they love it. Or if I go, Oh, I'm getting this different vibe from like this really Catholic crowd. I'm just going to go hard at it. You know, and I really, I I'm, I'm trying to balance the scales all the time and, and um, constantly ident- you know, listening and trying to, to make evolved um, decisions with the live in the moment data that I'm getting. So um, but, but, you know, a lot of the lines there's like, I have my lines and then I also have some that just belong to me that have been, I've given permission to get in there. Like, like it's nothing, it's trash. Uh, we're nothing. It's trash. <laughs> and it's funny cause I didn't do it one day. Uh, we're nothing, we're trash. And Susan was like, Morgan, you have to do it. And I was like, oh, and I was like, but it's not in the script. And like, I'm really respectful of the script. And John was like, do it he's like I just didn't put it in because you know you wrote it so I'm like okay like so I'm gonna put it in but you know there's and then there's other moments like that where um he's been like say something along these lines or you know give it a try here or there and 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 it's been really fun to be given that freedom but I'm also very respectful of the fact that like this show moves quick satire is all about timing and you there are special things particular things that we just don't do like you don't move on someone else's joke you don't um 
you know, you got to clear the, you got to make sure that the satire is all about rhythm. It's like this, 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 and that, and then this and this and this and that. And, and it has to happen that way or things don't land. They don't get the magic. They don't know that they're not getting the magic because the line, you know, the show works. So like, um, but we can lift it to like this other magical place if we Morgan you are literally magical you oh, are literally you're magical <laughs> you are so magical and so much fun and my smile has not left my face either thank you and like, you're not even on you're not on social media right now are you no no I kind of I just like I said that clean living vibe I just kind of realized like it wasn't doing anything good for my uh my psyche and I realized um I would take some time off during the pandemic and it made a big impact on me. Um, how much more time I spend reading and um, finding, love. finding love, finding love in the pandemic, meeting the love of my life and getting married and all those things. And it turns out the world does roll on for me. Um, I'd always had struggled with social media, like what to put up, what not to put up as a private person. I'd be like, I put something up and then two hours later, I'd be like, Oh gosh, like I shouldn't have showed the inside of my home or my, you know, I, I, and, and it doesn't, it's just about me and my own sensitivities. And so when I realized I removed that from the, um, from the playing field of my life, everything got a lot more peaceful. Mm. And so for me, it's really working. I'm not saying I'll never come back. And I have my website, which um, I get a lot of great information from that. People who have come to see the show will message me through the website. And one of them was so cute. He's like, I just came to see the show last night. And I thought it was so amazing. I could see you from the wings during the final number and you're high-fiving Adriana, the little girl. And and I was thinking, and we do this every night. The little girls and I, like we high-five during the mega mix off stage and we dance. And I was thinking, you know, it's so meaningful me, to me to get feedback. And that is one thing that you don't get if you're not easily like, yeah. you know, yeah. DMable. And I can't have somebody magical just like slide into my DMs after a two minute Zoom call, like about, uh, yeah 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 um, but, you know I met my husband in real life and I feel really blessed that like that I feel like that was right in line with like I was clearing the decks for myself um whereas other relationships I'd been in uh not exclusively but like I had met online or um you know through a dating app or these things um kind of and I, I felt really lucky that the universe was like look here meet this person I and love that. And I love that for you. And he's so sweet and so lovable. And together, you guys, I'm just like, oh, I'm just yeah. so happy for you. I know. I mean, I can't deny it. Like, for the first time in my life, I'm like, oh, no, no, he is so sweet. And we are so no, lovely. He is and so sweet. And he takes such good care of me. He's such a loving, kind, gentle, oh. intelligent, warm person. And so I'm very, very blessed and, and super grateful. <laughs> I know and Sean's saying the show I think every night this week because he was like we don't know when the next time we're gonna be um performing it is he's like so I gotta soak it all in and, and for me that that means that every night that I'm out there there's this energetic line between us you know knowing that my partner is sitting there just like lifting me up um it, it's really special to me yeah I'm super I I'm, I love that. I'm so happy that you've joined me on the show. Thank you, You're so what a joy to be with you today. I love you. Um, just love because you. you talked about your website, what is it? So if people do want to reach out to you. Thank you. It's morganweed.com. So it's just my name and the old dot com at the end. And you can reach out to me, send me a message. 
critique my work. You can also, um, I'm just kidding. You can book a lesson. Uh, we can chat about the world at large. So please, yeah. Uh, hop on there. And I, I mean, I really love what I do. And I also feel like with my students, if there's something I can't offer you, I have this incredible pool of colleagues and friends that I feel like are experts at their craft. So if I'm like, you know what, I know someone who's going to teach this exact thing better than I can. So let me refer you to them. So I, I, I like to be, I, I, I'll, if I, if I can help you, I will give you the world. And if I can't, I will get you to someone who can help you explore this incredible art form that we love so much and that we, you know, I know you and I can say the same. We've dedicated our life to this thing, um, you know, and, and it's, it's yeah. really special. I'm going to be referring people to you. Oh, thank you, you so much. Totally. In fact, I'm going to be signing up for classes with you myself. So uh, <laughs> thank you for joining me. I love you so thank much. You. I love you and I'll see you at the show. I'll see you at the show. That wraps another episode. Thanks for listening to The Salacia Show. See you next week and don't be shy. If you love the show, please tell me why. Please rate, subscribe, and leave a review. Go one step further, tell a friend or two. Check out my site if you think it was the bomb. Pay a visit to SalaciaThomas.com. One last thing before I relax. Shout out Josh Carey and thanks, Podmax. <laughs> I'm out. I'm out. <laughs>